You were listening to episode 161 of the Game of Flavors podcast. My name's John, and uh, sadly this week I'm joined by Ryan. Hey everybody, here at the Game of Flavors podcast we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and me and John are getting divorced in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Sorry kids. Now you, now you can see why I was sorry to be joined by Ryan this week. Yeah, it's a somber day. Yeah. So, um, in celebration, I guess in a sense, right, of the game awards, uh, it takes two. Actually, one game of the year. Spoiler alert! There, if you haven't seen, then you're living under congratulations. The rock. So we decided to play some. It takes two. Uh, I picked it up what several weeks ago when Barry was on a podcast from uh, Premium Games and uh, or Premium Edition Games, and decided to boot it up, dude. That was fun, but we'll talk about it a little later. Uh, to start off with, recent pickups. I see you have nothing, so nope. I will I will <laughs> jump into mine. Uh, so this week, I have the Strixhaven D&D books. They are on the way, uh, so I've got two copies of that uh, coming to my house. And I also got my premium edition patches, uh, finally. So uh, those are for Super Blood Hockey and an unboxing. Very high-quality patches. Uh, if you have any premium edition games... Uh, definitely look into the patches if you don't have one because your game is Do not the complete. Stuff. Yeah, your game's not complete until you have a patch, technically. So I think it's pretty cool. And if you don't know what premium edition games are and you want patches, you can go listen to our previous episodes. Yeah. Um, I think there's a premium edition games update episode that we had, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? So yeah, check that one out. Uh, pretty cool. So we talk with Barry, who is... Uh, one of the heads of that organization, uh, releasing some you know retro games done right on new consoles, uh, specifically a Switch right now, and uh, it's good stuff. So a little update from him, discussions on what they're doing, and uh, just all around fun. And then uh, let's see, dude. Uh, currently playing, so I started and completed Killzone Three on the uh, PS3 the other day. Nice. So that was fun. So I'd already beat one and two years ago, and said, so, well, let's. Boot up three. It's a seven-hour game. I wasn't feeling too great. I'm still kind of feeling under right now. But, uh, yeah, so I decided to boot that up, and I think of what took me three days. I started on a Sunday, beat it on a Tuesday. Now, I forget, um, just because I never played any of the... Well, no, I played... It was like a Killzone game that came out on, like, Vita for PS Now or yeah. PlayStation Plus once or something. And I think I played some of that. What was on Vita? They had like Killzone. I think it's like Liberation or something. I don't remember the name. I don't know. It's the only one I've ever played. But was it Killzone 2 or Killzone 3 that had like that, oh my God, like trailer that was just total bullshot, but like it made everybody think that it was going to be like the best looking game ever made and it was going to be so next level. But it was like right when like, the line between gameplay and CGI was kind of blurring, and, and you didn't know what was going to be gameplay or not. So I think that, it was two. That was two. Okay. Yeah, I know specifically that that was two because I was hyped, dude. Yeah, that now, was so hyped. Not to say that it was a bad game because I enjoyed Killzone It two. just couldn't live up to what people were seeing and trying to be like, oh. Now, I will say, though, uh, with Killzone 3 graphically it's actually not that bad uh it is pretty good even is like it the, ps3 or ps4 it's ps3 and okay. uh i think it's later gen ps or late gen ps3 um or i guess late in life cycle ps3 not late gen but whatever. uh yeah whatever it, it came later in its life cycle 
but graphically it wasn't bad. I think the uh, the cinematic aspects of it were pretty good. I think a lot of it has to deal with the fact that you know playing on a 4K TV and stuff nowadays maybe mm-hmm. um, that might be some assistance uh, compared to what I was playing on uh, years ago. But I thought graphically it was good. I thought the in-game uh, graphics were also good instead of just like the cinematic aspects. And uh, I enjoyed it. I think the one thing uh, from a spoiler perspective that I did not like was the ending. It just, it was kind of lackluster uh, at the end. And I, I had mentioned that as well um, on some tweets and such. So at Game Deflators on Twitter and the Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so you can check that out. But uh, I thought the ending was just slightly lackluster. It did have like, um, I, I believe if I'm remembering correctly here, I might be thinking something else because I played a lot of games this past week. Uh, I think there was like an end credits type scene as well. Was that... it the last game or have there been since? There's no, I think it's Shadowfall, I want to say, is the uh, most recent. And that one's on PS4, unless there's another one I'm not thinking of. But yeah, so I specifically, like I ended up buying earlier this year, I had bought the PS4 version for like five or six bucks. And I realized I didn't have number three and I hadn't played it yet. So I decided to buy number three randomly as well. And then that's why I, of course, booted up this week. But I thought it was, like I said, overall pretty good. Um, I'm not a big fan of, like, the weapons in that game, and it's like this with most Killzone games. You don't really need to use all the other weapons that come across. Like, does it make things a little easier? You just get the assault rifle at the beginning, and that's enough? That's enough. Like, it really is. I mean, the sniper is probably the only other weapon that you kind of really need to use, but it's more situational basis anyways, where you have sniper situations that you... It's like, hey, there's a sniper in his corner or whatever, like off in this other building. Like, yeah, you kind of have to use it in those instances. Um, but other than that, like the rocket launchers aren't at least I feel 100 percent necessary unless it's like some sort of boss type battle. Um, there's a couple like arc launchers and such that you can use that shoot a bunch of missiles. Um, those things are only necessary in like those situations specifically. Can you use them? Does it make things easier? Yeah, it does. Um, but it's not a hundred percent needed. Uh, there's even times where you pull out like, I guess like Gatling guns or like larger automatic like guns that you rip off of like their stands and you can actually, it's kind of dumb because they have like these refill points for ammo and maybe it's cause I was playing in normal mode and not like hard mode, but you can pretty much like take a giant ass gun with you. And when you run out of ammo, just keep it in your reserve, go to one of these checkpoints that has ammo and fill it right back up. And the same thing with like rocket launchers. Oh, I want to use a rocket launcher this whole level. Let me get my rocket launcher ammo, mm-hmm. use it several times, just like clear out an entire area. So it makes it kind of stupid easy in that respect. But uh, nonetheless, I think it was it was fun and it's kind of campy in a sense with, you know, what's going on, like the whole military vibe and, you know, the going against sergeant orders and all this other stuff like it, mm-hmm. it was interesting. Um, so that was pretty good. I'll play the next one. I don't know, at some point soon. I mean, I might as well. Right. Yeah. But I booted up uh, Ghost of a Tale was the other game I have. And that does not have a North America release on PS4. I don't think I want to say it's on Steam, though. And it's pretty much a stealth RPG where you play as a mouse and you're in like you've been imprisoned by a bunch of rats and uh, you're trying to make your way out of like this rat kingdom and find your wife at the same time. And there's like friendly rats around uh, the world that you're in that will assist you in uh, in certain aspects. So you have like uh, I guess a, this is a spoiler too, but you have like this one rat, I forget his name off the top of my head, but he's the one that leaves like a key in your cell and, and tells you how to get out and where to meet him. And there's like 
another rat specifically like sells materials and whatnot and he'll talk to you because obviously you're going to spend gold with him but then there's a bunch of rat guards you have to avoid and uh you boost up your your armor and such through the items you find so like i have a pirate hat and a pirate patch or eye patch and like different types of leggings that you find and uh you just kind of explore these different areas of this like rat world but the graphics are actually very good i'm pretty pleased with uh with how that looks uh mechanics wise i think it works very well um it's got this nice type of puzzle element while also having this like stealth rpg element tied to it uh so it's it's pretty cool and then the story so far it hasn't really picked up much but it's gotten to a point where now i've got like my first key mission that i need to like move forward with doing something so something else will happen uh so we'll see um it's about a 10 hour game and i'm maybe an hour and a half into it so i'm kind of curious to see how this one picks up cool but yeah that's uh that's what i got this week and then i think um you know we'll be talking new games resolutions pretty soon and i'm, I'm pretty sure i decided what i want to play so we'll have that on in a, a few weeks here uh, at the new year but go on. You're, you're Speaking turn. of new games resolutions, I got to the final like brutal robot thing at the end of the Bowser Castle, and uh, I died, <laughs> and then I just didn't have time to try it again. So I will be at the moon or done with the game by, by next, next week? week. You think so? Yeah. Just in time. Have you decided what you want to play yet for uh, next year? Your, Dude, your you know, I game? remember I came here like a month or two ago and I had a few ideas and I've forgotten what several of those ideas are. I was actually listening to some more, listening, watching some more AGDQ from 2019, I think. And somebody was doing like an hour long speed run of Octopath Traveler. And I was like, Dude, if I speed run a game, that counts as. It does. Beating it. And I think, like, the glitchless, like, any percent category, like, even as a first-timer, I could probably do it in, like... I mean, if they could do it in an hour, I can do it in probably, like, three or four. Maybe. Which has got to be way better than playing all of Octopath Traveler from start to finish. That game's, like, 40, 50 hours. Yeah, I know, exactly. So I was thinking about I could cheese it that way. I think the other idea I had was, like, just play as many Dooms as possible because I've not ever played any of the Dooms really. I played like the first level of Doom 2016 when I first got Game Pass. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I've been enjoying and I'll talk more about Odyssey once I'm done with it. Like, I don't know, man. I just I feel so disconnected from certain game genres anymore. Like I really wanted to play Mario because we had fun playing like what was it like 3D Land or something we played uh, i don't remember what and we i played was one like oh, oh it was new super mario bros yeah and i was like oh maybe i'll do a mario game next year and that's what kind of prompted me to do odyssey because i hadn't really like gotten and tried to play through a mario game like literally since galaxy one and yeah. galaxy one made me feel like kind of so mm-hmm. i didn't even finish that one that's one i need to beat too <laughs> galaxy one and two yeah so and then, obviously, I've not had luck with the RPGs. So, I'm like, okay, maybe I try a shooter. Like, what are other genres that I can reach out to? Like, if uh, I finish a game of Space Invaders, does that count? No. Uh, you could probably do, like... I like Centipede. <laughs> uh, there's, like, action RPGs that are, like, pretty short. Yeah, and, part. I mean, there's stuff that's coming out next year, too. Like, I had talked... Um, 
the Advance Wars remake on Switch that's coming well, out. Well, I mean, if you're having trouble with RPGs, I think that's like a 30-hour game in itself, Advance Wars. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm obviously going to play Elden Ring. Uh, whether or not I can beat it... Well... Uh, that's another question. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be like cross-platform. So either you're getting it on Series S or you end up with a PS5 and then we play it together. Uh, yeah, that's probably not yeah. Gonna that's happen. not going to happen anytime soon. So, kind of uh, disappointed. I need to get that uh that PS5 in my hands so I can actually play Elden Ring when it comes out. Yeah, I think that the whatever I wind up picking, it's it's got to go in line with the something that I've always wanted to play, and I kind of lose aspect of that sometimes when I'm thinking about what I actually want to do. So I'll give it some deeper thought and come up with like a good short list soon. Um, so other than that, if anybody saw the awesome trailer that came out, and unfortunately, uh, from my opinion, is the best part of the game, I did get to play, uh, Retired Men's Nude Beach Volleyball League last night with my friends, and it is... He did it in person, by the way. It's impossible. It's, it's so stupid, like, it's just keyboard and mouse that we were using or just keyboard it's just using like the arrow keys to try to position yourself under this volleyball to knock it back to the other side of the net and i am not a pc gamer so i have zero good dexterity with doing that but even my friends like they were having a hard time with it too i think we lost every match Hmm. and got all the way through up until the point where we were probably going into the final cutscene, and then Zach hit escape and skipped the final cutscene, and the credits started rolling. Damn. And it was like a very infuriating, like just barely entertaining enough to stick around. So hour technically, and a half. technically, you beat a game this week. Yeah. Nice. As nice. a group effort. Yeah, they were all naked and they played retired men's nude beach uh, volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, quite the experience. Yeah, definitely quite the experience. Yeah. If you if you like those games that are mostly weird dialogue then this is a game that is mostly weird dialogue with some very not easy for me to play volleyball mixed in yeah and it goes to like 25 points oh really so it's long in each match and volleyball is like you have to be serving to score yeah and it does all this stuff like it slowly over the course of the game starts to look more and more like an old tv and you wind up knowing, like, or having conversations with, like, the people that you're playing against that are just, like, weird. It's a b- very bizarre game. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, top of my list to yeah. play. But the trailer was quite nice. Yeah, it, the trailer uh, is hilarious. Check out the trailer. Best part of the game. Yeah. So, um, seeing as that's probably what you got this week, uh, this week we'll be talking uh, a few things. So, we've got the Game Awards. Obviously, just happened. So, Ryan and I are kind of discussing the show there. Uh, any snubs uh, that we felt occurred, uh, some of the wins. And then we are going to dive into the trailers that we liked. Uh, as soon as we talk about that, we will go into uh, some new information regarding uh, was the Activision Blizzard uh, situation. Uh, so there's a whole thing right now with uh, emails that have gone out uh, regarding a union uh, or really anti-union speech from them. And then we'll talk about um, It Takes Two and our, our review on takes that. Takes Two, but baby. that and Ryan singing. Me and John. Uh, I thought we were going to divorce. Uh, so, 
You can find us on thegamedeflators.com, of course, social media, at GameDeflators on Twitter and at TheGameDeflators on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, find us on all those great podcast applications. Subscribe and uh, catch us weekly. Okay, so... The Game Awards 2021 yeah. brought I'll, to you by Jeff Keeley. I'll start on the negative note because yours is going to be probably more positive. So I felt that this show in general... I, I kind of agree with much of the community in, in the comments. And I, I saw this in like the live feed on YouTube when I was watching as well. This was not that great of an awards show. When you think about it from an awards show perspective, it was not that great. Um, it was long. I mean, we're talking like three hours. Uh, the amount of awards that were actually like presented live and had people on stage and all of that. It just, you know, when I think award shows, I look at even like the ESPYs you know, with ESPN or your Oscars or your Golden Globes or Grammys, where it may be. And while there's musical performances and like other things that occur in those shows, the main highlight is showcasing the actual like things that are winning awards. So you want to see little trailers and such, um, you know, from each of those games. You want to hear from the developers. And this is a show that was supposed to be like for the developers and celebrating these people and, and what's going on uh, with with the industry. And it just felt that it turned into more of a bought-out trailer showcase type of show. I mean, we had three hours with, what, like seven awards maybe that were, or five or six awards that were actually, sh like, shown live. Presented. Yeah, presented by people. by a hosting presenter and yeah. somebody comes up on stage and, and gives then, a speech. And then, like, in between each one was like, here's a trailer. Here's another trailer. Here's a world premiere. We here's were, another world we premiere. We were talking earlier about it, and I was like, it's like if somebody took the Oscars and the Super Bowl and mixed them together because it's got all of the trappings of an award show, but you're mostly there for the commercials. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really what it ended up being. And, like, for me personally, though, I was actually looking forward to it being more so really a nice balance, right? I wanted to see all of the awards. I wanted to hear from every developer and, you know, every studio and every type of artist and, and a musical direct. Like, I just wanted to see more of that and more of an understanding of their work. And what I got was just another trailer heavy type of show. Like if I wanted to, to watch that, I would watch a PlayStation showcase or I'd watch an Xbox play or whatever it is, or a Nintendo, um, whatever nintendo direct. direct yeah like i i would watch those if i want to see a bunch of trailers and it's not like you know yeah there were world premieres and you know new trailers and while it was cool and everything i really felt like they could have done more of that in just like the pre-show and just showed a bunch of trailers and talked about it as like a, a pre-game awards type of thing right so if you wanted to watch all those trailers you could but if you wanted to just watch the awards having like an award show with a few things kind of intermingled here and there yeah and i think that's what really kind of messed it up for me it was like the pure length of it being three hours and just so trailer heavy is what kind of bugged me i had a much different experience so i watched it not live i started watching it a few hours later watched about half of it went to bed woke up the next morning watched the second half and i found it a much better experience split up everybody was the most of the complaints i've heard is just that it was three hours for not a lot of payoff i felt like stretching that out made it better and from what i've heard from People online, I definitely think that like they could either do really well to cut this down to like a sleek hour and a half product that does a better job of showcasing, um, you know, the awards themselves, and then also, you know, if 
if you took out a lot of the fluff, like there was a lot of stuff in there that wasn't necessary. Like Nintendo didn't have anything to show. There was no Breath of the Wild 2 or anything new. They just showed sizzle reel of stuff that we already have heard of and seen. Well, there was so a- you could cut all that and just include the stuff that's like world premiere, like brand new, never before seen, like opening with like the Senua's like gameplay footage trailer. Like that's something that's worth being there. But like seeing um when you had like the whole like amanda waller thing and the person getting on screen for like this cringeworthy acting and then having the trailer for suicide squad like it's cool and all to do that but like is it necessary and then, like, i don't know i thought that that wasn't bad but like sting, i like when they do stage stuff but even like sting singing a song from a game like while it's cool it's like dude he's sting don't don't look i like don't sting. get down on sting i like sting but like does it fit eh you know. But they've been trying to bring like live music into game stuff for like a long time. Like it's huge at E3. All those orchestras that tour to do soundtrack like things, those do really well. Like, and I mean, I guess it was more pushing that and the Imagine Dragons. I didn't realize, but they're both from Arcane, that show for League of Legends. Yeah. So like, that's uh, some cross promotion. Obviously, it doesn't really need to be there. But I mean, I don't think it. It kills it for anybody. I think it's probably more fun for like the audience and the people that are participating necessarily than everybody at home. Yeah. It was cool having uh, the Imagine Dragons thing tied in with the Bastion music, though, and yeah. like kind of celebrating having those people who work hard in the industry being able to perform with like huge stars like Imagine Dragons. That's pretty cool. Well, and I guess the other thing that kind of got me with this show is like. You know, towards the tail end when they were getting towards like the last two awards, they're like, all right, and uh, let's go ahead and see like who won the following. It's like best RPG, and the winner is, and it's like, yeah, there was no, they kind of rattled through some of them pretty yeah. quick. And and that's one of the things I didn't like. Like, you're trying to show all of this appreciation for these developers, and then you blow through it. Yeah, and you blow through and it, and nobody gets to get up and accept an award and give it a speech. Uh huh. And then you have the whole thing. I mean, like, maybe they weren't present, but still, I mean, you could do the whole like, you know, Anna nominees and show the trailers and do all that stuff. But instead it was just like this hyper focus on these trailers of just trailers, like minute too long, three, three minute long trailers. And I feel like if you cut some of that out, like even four trailers, if you cut four trailers out, you open up the opportunity to have more yeah. of those like presentations that are occurring. And I think that's really kind of, it's, I don't know. It's just, um, contradictory in a sense right yeah this we're celebrating developers but then we're going to just show a bunch of trailers because the corporations themselves are paying a bunch of money to us to show these games off like i just that's kind of what frustrated me um all right so in regards to uh snubs and wins i know we had like our predictions and uh i I don't remember i don't think i said it takes two would win the entire thing i actually thought that I said I would want it to win, but I felt that Metroid Dread was going to win. So I was actually shocked that It Takes Two won. I think that It Takes Two really deserved it. And, I mean, especially, you know, we played it. I think that there's a lot of good stuff that will come out of the publicity of a game like that winning. Like, it's going to encourage the creation of more awesome innovative stuff like that in the future i should hope um but like other notable wins like as i was going through the list just kind of looking at all the categories and the highlighted like who won uh it takes two did well 
Marvel Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy did well. Uh, Kenna Bridge of Spirits took a couple awards. Uh, FF14 took a couple awards. Forza took a couple awards. Metroid Dread. Um, it only won one, but I think that that's a really big win to show Nintendo how much people are here for Metroid, mm-hmm. uh, since it's been kind of so you know underdeveloped over the years, at least not as much as people would like to see it promoted as a Nintendo pillar. So I think that'll send a good, strong message there. Um, and then with these awards, I think it was fan voting, wasn't it? Like not, all of them. Not all of them. Some sections are fan voted, and then some I were... I could have sworn they all were. Because like, I remember last year, I, I didn't vote this year, but I could have sworn... No, Is I it? did vote this year. But um, I could have sworn that last year everything was fan voted. But, you know, I, I agree with you on on some of these notable games. Like, Kenna, I definitely haven't wanted to play Kenna Bridge of Spirits for a while now. Forza, I thought was really cool with, like, you know, and this award is actually, I like this award. The, 90% um, jury, 10% fan vote. Gotcha. So, um, so less so on the fan vote. Um, you know, I felt with uh, the award that Forza won regarding, like, innovation for like disabilities and such i always found that one to be pretty cool and like microsoft i think is one that's like microsoft games have won that several times in the past and they're doing really good um it's pretty cool gmtk or game makers toolkit on youtube just yesterday posted he does an annual review of accessibility and its milestones that it's made throughout the last year and for the most part of all the like 25 or 30 games that he reviewed this year, like 90% of them are hitting at least something or making good strides towards accessibility. But like Microsoft way beyond and above is kicking everybody else's butt in this category. And like they said, when they came on stage, like they made it a core pillar of their gameplay, which I didn't really know what that meant. I don't know if this is like the official like definition, but Mark was saying in the video that like it means that it will be a system that everything will built around. It'll be there from the start and uh, budget and time cuts won't affect it. Yeah. So it's like stand strong and true throughout the whole process. So Which is cool. It's great. Yeah. I like that. And that's really just a, a cool thing in general that they're doing. And I'm happy to see it happening within video games. And, you know, hopefully it continues on and other companies kind of pick this up right and and see that and move forward and it's nice that the game awards like recognizes that and puts out an award specifically for it which is which is also pretty cool um so yeah i guess uh anything that you felt was snubbed uh so psychonauts 2 which i did not play but on which everybody one? really likes on which uh award? i mean it just didn't get anything at oh, I gotcha. all I gotcha. but people feel that the art direction in it should have maybe been better i think Deathloop won in that category yes and art direction so they did. um that and then i didn't notice this while i was watching the awards because i could have sworn i saw something but when i was looking over the list i didn't see any wins for ratchet and clank no and ratchet and clank was like Really well received. I mean, it's basically like the current flagship PS5 title to show mm-hmm. off next-gen gaming and and be that introductory awesome platformer pe- for people. But, like, it didn't get anything. Yeah, I don't... Ratchet & Clank in general doesn't get a lot of love from folks, uh, which is always interesting. It's I mean, it got amazing. a movie. 
It did, yeah. But I mean, like, it's and just... a movie tie-in game. I mean, that Sly Cooper movie that never happened. That's true. Uh, but no, Ratchet and Clank. Like, whenever I don't know, man. I I talk to a lot of different. Like, I've talked to gamers over the years. I'm like, oh yeah, have you played this Ratchet and Clank? They're like, no, I haven't. You know, I played like, like one and couldn't get past like you, the you speeder see. mission thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, it just doesn't get a lot of love from. Like, it has like a core audience of people that love it. Like, I love Ratchet and Clank. It's one yeah. of my favorite series. Um, it but, was just up against Spyro and Jack and Daxter and like yeah. all these other similar things at the time. Like it, it was so splintered, not everybody got a chance to play everything. Yeah, and while Ratchet and Clank continues to be on every console uh, since it started on PS2, uh, you're right; it does get overshadowed by a lot of these other games and um, you know ones that had a lot of mainstay success on even like the PS1. But uh, for me. I would say, you know, I'm not going to go into my wins because I didn't feel that there were many surprises on that front. No, um, everything that I thought should win basically won. There were only a few contested, Yeah, really. I think um, narrative, I really think, should have gone to It Takes Two. Like, after playing it today, I really think narrative should have taken it and said Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy took it. And while I can understand it's probably got a lot more depth because it's Marvel and, you know, the direction on that and the size of that type of game... I think uh, you need to look at it more so in regard to like the true meaning of the story and what's going on versus like it's this huge multiverse type of experience of like Guardians of the Galaxy and like we've already had so much Marvel as is it's just kind of disappointing. But to all see the a Marvel game like games that. are kind of lackluster. Yeah, I know, which is surprising that it won. You know, given that uh, there's better games I feel out there. I think um, the Suicide Squad game looks better than how the guardians of the galaxy game looks i mean honestly i thought that both looked terrible well we'll get into the trailers and stuff yeah go ahead and finish up uh and then uh let's see so elden ring winning a most anticipated game like obvi uh, yeah but you know what i think they won it last year too they did <laughs> and so that's why it's I'm like, still the most anticipated game i know and that's what kind of frustrated me i'm like it already won last year like yeah, but most what else is game. anybody looking forward to that there much? were other games like there was Zelda breath of the wild 2 i think was on there horizon was on there as well so i mean i get it why it won but it's just like come on like can we give that award to like as much as i want to play elden ring and i'm anticipating it i'm just as excited for god of war ragnarok or uh you know horizon forbidden west or uh you know zelda breath of the wild 2 coming out like there's there's tons of games out there that i think could have won this and should have won this over elden ring given god of war horizon the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, because they're not saying the name yet. Yeah. And Starfield. Dude, nobody's looking forward to Starfield No, much. I mean, but the other ones, yeah, people are looking forward to it. So that's why I found it to be kind of odd. Um, and then Art Direction, I think everything other than Deathloop, and that's primarily because I just don't like the art style of Deathloop. Yeah. Uh, I think pretty much anything else could win. I want to say Kenna was uh, uh, one of those games as well for Art Direction. So I really do feel that those are the snubs for sure. So really, the games that won those awards i feel should not have won those awards those three mm -hmm. um and then anything else really could have taken it for the most part uh so diving into trailers i know you know i just shit all over trailers but you know they were there right so uh, at i the end think of the day, i want to say first off like there was no giant like xbox series x reveal or you know smash character reveal or anything that really got people stoked but for the most part as i looked through the list like even the stuff that doesn't stand out as like super exciting, like the Cuphead DLC. It's DLC for a game that's years old now, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be hard as balls. It's going to look great. I mean, it's not a huge thing, 
but it's definitely something that's making people happy. Like, I think that there wasn't a lot of trailers and stuff here to hate on. I think for the most part, all the trailers that were, uh, like, good and interesting did mostly a good job of showing stuff off. Like, I did notice a lot of gameplay trailers and, you know... Keeley really made sure to plug like what games were showing actual gameplay and things are looking really good for a lot of these games. I mean, right off the bat, the Senua's like that was incredible looking. Well, the only thing that disappoints me that is that it's an Xbox exclusive now. Well, PC and Xbox. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, as much as I just shit all over trailers, the fact that they were present, you kind of have to still talk about it. Right. So the ones that really uh, got me excited were uh, Hellblade uh, 2. So Senua's, uh, I forget what the full name is, but Senua. Uh, that was pretty sweet, uh, seeing that. And then a lot of different um, combat bits actually tied to it. So, like, you know, it's been a while since I played the other one, but you had your sword and you had some other stuff that you would do uh, within that game, and it was more of a darker tone, whereas this feels like it's a brighter tone in a way. And not a brighter tone, but it's there's a lot more combat there's it looks like there's a lot more fluidity in what's going on so i definitely want to play that one you know it's while watching the trailer i was like man either i need to borrow ryan's like xbox series s to play this or i just need to get a series s and then wait for a gpu so i could play some other games uh that one got me excited uh elden ring of course you know it, it is anticipated at one most anticipated game uh of the year and uh, i'm excited to play that one uh, Star Wars, surprisingly, was actually really badass looking. Uh, the Star Wars Eclipse. And, uh, dude, that game looks sick. Sonic Frontiers actually made my list. It looks like this... I mean, maybe Breath I'm wrong. the Wild Sonic? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like this open-world Sonic-style game. So that was actually pretty cool. And then tied with the trailer for Sonic 2, the movie, uh, I felt that, you know, that was a nice combination there for the show. And uh, that got me pumped for sure. So Sonic Frontiers is definitely making my list here as a game that I'm excited for. Uh, Plague Tale. Uh, I love the first one. And uh, if you haven't played Plague Tale, you 100% need to play it. Uh, the trailer for this one looked great. So I'm excited about that. And then, of course, Forspoken. Uh, I think all of these have actually made prior lists other than just uh, Star Wars and Sonic. Um, with them being kind of net new for me. But yeah, the others here I've been excited for for quite some time, and uh, that just continued after seeing these trailers. Yeah, so a few things that I kind of pulled from the trailer list. um, I did pull Star Wars Eclipse out too, and not because I'm like huge on like extended universe Star Wars stuff. Like I've never played the KOTORs really, or frankly really any Star Wars games too much. Um, but like now that EA doesn't have, you know, full control over the license and other studios can make stuff like after seeing Quantic Dream come out with like this just cool cinematic trailer, like there was nothing else to it than that. Like how hard must EA be kicking themselves for just making like shitty online multiplayer games and trying to just wring everybody's money out of them and just like they didn't take full advantage of what they could have done with the time that they had full control over this license. And now I think there's just going to be a slew of way better stuff in the Star Wars universe coming out. And uh, I think it's going to change a a lot of the space war, how we're going to look at licensed games coming out of Disney moving forward. Because like with the success of 
Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy now. And then, I mean, Quantic Dream is obviously going to make, you know, their style of game or maybe try to make it even a little more action-y. Um, but... Well, then nobody's have, nobody's gonna feel all that compulsion to continue to drive to make these big open world multiplayer, you know, uh, cash cow games when Marvel and Disney are focused on telling complete good stories. And as soon as they realize they could successfully do that with games by getting the right studios behind it and the right mentality, I think like what we've seen in the movie space will transfer over like there's not a lot of game franchises out there where like when's the last time you played a game that had a set of characters and then played another game that had a set of characters and then played a third game where those things interact in a meaningful way or it might even carry over data from choices you've made in those other things like we have crossover fighting games yeah. we have multi generational games like mass effect or not multi-generational but multi new game stories that continue through but like nobody's really done what marvel and disney can do here well i mean i i would argue that you know we've had these like cinematic type experiences for a number of years now in gaming but i think a lot of what we're seeing now in like with Disney and Marvel kind of amping things up, it's really driving these other studios to even up their game, which is kind of cool. Um, but you know, I, I would disagree that it's like maybe just happening now or like now is like, we're just kind of kicking off. I think it's been present for a number of years. It's just, there's more light shown upon it now, uh, because of the, the bigger studios that are now kind of taking upon that. Mm -hmm. Um, by the way, I didn't mention this, uh, in my, in my games, but Dune, Spice Wars, all, all the spice. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That one didn't really catch it's an R, me. It's an RTS, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But you had mentioned like space games and stuff kind of coming out. And it's interesting to see like Starfield and Star Wars. And yeah. now Dune is going to kind of more licensed properties. Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting because in the past I hated licensed property based games. I've well, they've been mostly like, been garbage games for a long time i mean not yeah. always there are some good ones there are some good ones but like yeah licensed property games in the past like you know from movies and whatnot have always like historically been pretty bad especially on like the ps3 generation and stuff oh yeah and even p oh god ps2 licensed games Ooh, yeah i, I totally get you so uh, okay continue other on. trailers uh tunic tunic's been talked about for years and years finally has a date uh alan wake 2 Especially Alan Wake 2, that's going to be a survival horror. I think that that'll be good. I think it'll be cool. I think that... Um, what was the last game that came out that's like in the same universe as Alan Wake? Um, Control? Oh, is that Alan Wake universe? Yeah. Oh. Um, Never knew that. I'm not really into Sonic Frontiers, but I'm all about the Sonic 2 movie. I enjoyed the first one. I think this will be good. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to play Slitterhead. It looked cool, though. But we'll see what happens with that. I mean, it's from Silent Hill. Uh, Tamaya of the, uh, of that team. Yeah, yeah, so we'll see about that. Um, a game I'm probably not going to play, but I'm sure we'll do interesting Gollum. stuff. Gollum. Yeah. I'm excited about that one, too. I liked Space Marine 40K. Uh, Warhammer 40K Space Marine that came out on, like, Xbox 360 back in, like, God, like 2009 or something. 
It was a cool game that made you feel like a badass. I never beat it, but this one looks like it's going to be an awesome sequel, and I'm here for the 40K. I have it on PS3 if you want to play it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Forspoken. Um, Dying Light 2. Dying Light 2, also a game yeah. that's been delayed and delayed, and thank goodness, because it'll probably be pretty good and polished by the time it comes out, because this mm-hmm. is a game that needed to be as good as they promised because they talked about all these intricate systems and stuff they were going to develop. It seems like three years ago or more at E3. And I was like, Oh man. And then it was just like, it's been forever. Yeah. Uh, Elden ring, uh, halo TV show. I've heard people say that they're not excited. I don't think that halo is too outlandish that it can't be done. Well, um, the Matrix experience thing, I'm definitely going to try to download that and check that out before the new movie comes out, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's free and I want to see the Unreal 5. Uh, and then Arc Raiders. I think Arc Raiders is the, is the only one that I messaged you about after I saw the trailer. Something about it, I just it just grabs me. The aesthetic Same. is cool. I think that the, um, the style reminds me of, like, Earth Defense Force or something, those Japanese games where, like, you run around and you're just, like, a regular, like, guy with an M16 fighting giant ants and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it looks like it'll be a fun game. I don't know if it's going to be, like, all multiplayer or if it'll have, like, bots that you can work with to play or if it's going to be, like, an online-only experience. Like, I don't know what's going to be in it. And honestly, when I was watching it at first, I thought it was, like, when I saw those, like, old school like retro lines i was like is this like a super modern like space invaders or something because there's that weird modernized space invaders game that came out like a while ago yeah you know the one i'm talking about Mm -hmm. i was like are they trying that again but like battle royale like online multiplayer (laughs) style that'd be crazy battle royale space (laughs) space invaders you know it kind of reminded me of star star troopers yeah yeah like that that's kind of the vibe i got right off the bat which is actually pretty cool so hopefully this has like a lot of comedy and stuff in it yeah that's everything that i saw that i thought was really good i mean there's a bunch of stuff that was shown off um that was like okay i didn't see anything that i was like eh, that doesn't look good or meh that looks stupid everything just was like either not to my taste or i just wasn't catching my eye because i was thinking about something else probably Mm -hmm. I mean, not everything's going to be a slam dunk, but I think there was enough content there, at least to make me happy. I think most yeah. people weren't happy, though. Yeah. Well, um, let us know on social media your thoughts regarding the snubs, your favorite trailers, and uh, some of the winners, and, and your overall thoughts on the game of the uh, well, game awards. I was going to say game of the year awards, but game awards. Uh, but diving into our next thing, uh, one company that was not at the game awards uh, was Activision Blizzard. And so the article that we're going to talk about this week is Activision Blizzard reacts to unionization talk uh, with anti-unionization talk. And this is uh, Andy Chalk at PC Gamer. So uh, basically, the Blizzard, Activision Blizzard employees have been uh, gathering together to try and unionize um, over you know all the allegations and such that we've heard uh, rounds. Um, you know, harassment and such in the workplace and sexism and everything else you could think of. And so Blizzard actually sent out, I think it was their CFO or or something. I don't remember the name, but um, he sent out an email uh, to their employees uh, talking about how 
Chief uh, Administration Officer Brian Bulatow. Okay, so he sent an email out to the employees basically warning them that unionizing would be giving up all of their rights uh, to yeah. be able to speak for themselves. Typical anti-union fear-mongering BS. So, I mean, not to say, like, unions are, like, a godsend or the greatest thing ever, but, like, these I'm, employees are actively, like, trying to unionize. Yeah, I'm pretty pro-union. Yeah. I used to be in, like, an okay union, I guess. It wasn't the best, honestly, but that's just because there's no uh, great collective rights in Arizona. Yeah. Well, but... I think that this is what the industry needs. Like, definitely, it will push things like in the right direction. And I hope that it spreads. And I hope that like they can actually get out from under the foot of all this BS and at least turn the company around. Like you said, it's not going to be a godsend. It's not all of a sudden going to make everything perfect. But if it gets Bobby Kotick out the door and, you know, gets these people the ability to like really, you know, be able to afford to even eat in their own company cafeteria. Like I hear some studios can't like, you know, afford to pay their people like anything near what they're worth and to like really bring diversity and everything up in these companies. Like you got to get rid of those people at the top that are bringing it down. They've been saying it for weeks and every, every week I come here and we talk about this. I'm like, this is going to be the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, this is going right. to be the final nail in the coffin. I don't know if this is going to be the final nail in the coffin this time, but I really hope that they can get this signed because, like, at least try. Like, if it doesn't work, are you going to be worse off than you are now? Probably not. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, I, I've spoken to people that have been part of unions, and there's people that love the unions. There's people that hate the unions. Uh, I can tell you that from an outside perspective, when going to, like, conferences and stuff and you have to deal with unions – it's a pain in the butt because like the unions have like rights to be able to do like certain types of uh, work in certain facilities. And mm -hmm. if you want to um, go with like a separate company, it's not part of a union. Like you have to pay extra fees and such. Like there's a lot of stuff like they definitely protect the workers. And that, that's kind of a cool thing in that respect. Um, but I think the reaction here is really what's key in, you know, they're talking about unionizing and this CAO, you know, comes out and is like, hey, here's all this negative stuff about unions and here's what you should be considering and, um, you know, really just kind of taking it upon himself and really the company uh, to try and bash these unions, which is really just an attempt to undermine the employees and what they're trying to do. And so not only that, but then like shortly after that, there's a communication that went out to like managers talking about like how to answer questions to your employees about unions. And, you know, I think when you kind of look at all this in discussion we had last week, in regards to like, are they actually making progress? This is kind of anti-progress in the company and what they're trying to do. Um, you know, I think you have a, a number of employees who are frustrated, who have had uh, tons of issues in the workplace, people who have left, um, you know, widespread issues, like even Bungie uh, is, has allegations around harassment, such that I was reading this morning. I haven't, uh, we didn't add it. To I mean, this it's week, just but, been a pervasive problem yeah. in the industry Yeah, because bro frat culture yeah, and, and so, and then you have this big company, Activision Blizzard, who, oh, yeah, we're making all these great strides to help you in the workplace. And, oh, let's go ahead and send out this anti-union speak because we don't like that the employees are trying to unionize. Like, it's just, it's backwards, man. Yeah. And so, it's, I don't know. At, at the end of the day, I don't think this is a nail in the coffin um, for uh, Bobby. But for Kotick. Bobby. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a nail in the coffin for him, but, you know, this is definitely his direction because something like this, 
definitely has to have his sort of approval. When you're going to send that type of communication out specifically to your employees about anti-unionization talk, yeah, that's got to have like his oversight for sure. Well, the one thing that's so crazy about all this is like, I mean, things were definitely heading in this direction, I think, you know, like they've been working on this. This didn't just happen because of the layoffs at, was it Ravensoft? I don't remember. Um, They had layoffs. Uh, they were promising these people for months that they were going to get uh, promo- raises or promotions or something. And like a lot of these people moved to relocate for the job for $17 an hour or something ridiculous. And it's like, then they got laid off. Yeah. And I can't, I just can't believe that they would do that now. Yeah. Like during all of this other stuff that's happening, they choose now to do that. Like it's just so bold to just be like, we really don't care. Mm hmm. Like that's the most like BS part of it. And then uh, when I was talking to my friend about it, he was like, I think it makes sense. Like if Bobby, is going to be on the way out. It makes sense for the board to clean up house, make whatever changes they want now, just do anything, and then they could just blame it on Bobby, fire him, and pretend like it wasn't their fault at all. Yeah. So I don't know how any of that internal stuff plays out. I know that I think this situation is going to be a little different compared to other places just because like Activision Blizzard is both like a huge publisher and a studio whereas a lot of other studios need publishers and that's where like a lot of the pressure and stuff comes down so it's like this is a thing where like the guy at the top who's making the most money that's like the super evil corporate guy wouldn't necessarily be directly in the chain at a normal studio because he would be like the publisher ceo yeah so i don't know how well this situation and like how forming a union across an industry like this is going to work because like for the most part, it's not like, you know, it's like union jobs. It's union contracts. Like they need a overwatch three to be a union job and hire only union workers to be on it or whatever I think is like the way that you would do it. So I don't know, like, it's going to be a huge change. It's going to be a lot of adaption. We're all going to learn a lot about this watching it happen in the industry, hopefully. But, you know, more power to them. If this is what they want to do, I hope that they get it done. Well, and we'll have more information on this as it kind of progresses. Like I just As the story to, unfolds. Yeah, as the story unfolds, we'll have more. Um, okay. So on to uh, brighter news, I guess. Uh, our inflation, deflation of week, it takes two. Uh, this was developed by Hazelight Studios, uh, published by EA. Uh, directed by Joseph Ferris, and it was released in March of 2021 uh, as an action-adventure platformer. It got 9 out of 10s pretty much across the board, and of course, it is our game of the year in 2021. So uh, I talked about this when the trailer came out. I think the trailer came out um, last year, obviously. I bought it when it came out. Yeah, well, you bought it when it came out. I waited for it to hit a discount. Um, I should have bought it a long time ago. Like It's just that good of a game, but... I think the trailer was E3 last year, or it might have been uh, the Game Awards last year. Um, so but, I think yeah. it, I think he was talking about it showing at the Game Awards last year. Yeah, I can't remember, but I just know that when I saw the trailer, I was like, I got to play this game. And I'm very happy we played this game today. 
the book is great oh isn't yeah, he? yeah yeah hakeem the uh the, the book of love or whatever uh so yeah basically the the game we played is... through the first level well, first level, a boss. We got past the boss. The we did a little bit. I played the first level twice now, so I played with each character. Yeah. Oh, um, so you got the different perspectives in that. Respect. Yeah, I got the little bit of different perspectives. So it's like, it's it's a great game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, man. Like, the time that we played with it, I'm going to pick it up for sure. It's a, a game that's on the list to play with my wife uh, because it is co-op. Uh, the interesting thing with this game, and it's similar to uh, uh, Ferris's other game, A Way Out, you have to play this co-op. There is no single-player option, uh, which is pretty interesting, actually, when you think about it. And there's no way to be like, I'm going to have two controllers, and then I'll play one character, put it down, pick yeah. up Like You have to actively like Simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some stuff that you just can't do on your own. Um, the cool thing is that it does come with like a, a friend code uh, where you can go ahead and have like a friend download a demo of the game and it can join you. They can um, just basically play it for free with you. Yeah, it's hundred percent free. Um, it actually uh, it takes two. I think you don't have to have PlayStation Plus actually. Like you play for friend online. Yeah. With no PlayStation Plus necessary, which is really cool as well. Um, so that was cool. But uh, I felt that you know when we looked at the overall plot, I mean you've got. Two parents are going through a divorce, and uh, the daughter who wants her parents to stick together, so she has her like this book of love that she bought, and she cries over like these two dolls, one made of clay and one made of wood. And uh, when she cries on it, the parents awaken, and I haven't gone through the whole game, obviously, in either of you, but the parents awaken as these two figures that are now animated, and this book is animated as well. And uh, he talks about things like cooperation and working on your marriage and, and all this other cool stuff. It's fun that, like... They're reacting like they're not just like, well, I guess we got to do this. They're like, ah, we're dolls. Yeah. Like, uh, like they're flabbergasted by their situation. They, they react. The, the comedy it hits. It's funny. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, the voice acting and the set designs are absolutely great. Like the the, world aspect. It kind of has that like toy story vibe to it where you're going through all these different parts of, of the world. And it's really just like, the garage yeah and it's through. such a believable warping of a real space that it doesn't feel as fantastic as it is it's got a lot more like plausible you know i mean i i think that's the wrong way to talk about this like not that it's plausible it's just like it feels like a really well lived in realized space yeah like it doesn't seem like a level it seems like this is somebody's crazy garage that's like an inventor or something. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things I really love about it is the tiny world atmosphere and getting to experience that. Uh, the co-op and what we played was pretty phenomenal. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And you're right. The comedy was right on par with what it should be. And I cannot wait to dive deeper into this game for sure. Uh, from what I played, yeah, very deserving of a, a game of the year at this point, and I'm sure it will get so much better as I pick it up. Yeah, can't recommend enough. Uh, so, complete in box of this game, we're looking at twenty six seventy four. It peaked at thirty three ninety nine in April of uh, twenty one, which is like right after release. So I would say even like it peaked at forty bucks. But um, uh, trending, I think it was new forty. Yeah, yeah, trending status. It is is holding at this point in regard to its price point. Um, a loose copy will run you twenty five ninety nine on average, and then it peaked at thirty thirty nine uh, in April of twenty one as well, so right around the same time frame. And then that is also uh, that is actually trending a little up at this point. 
Uh, your most expensive version is a $29 complete in box uh, PAL PS4, and in your cheapest is a $21 loose PAL Xbox version. I picked this game up for $17 new at Walmart on clearance. Uh, it is probably not going to be on clearance anytime soon, given that it just won an award. And I'm sure there'll be some sort of DLC or some. Do random they thing still to come out. do like players' choice games, platinum games, that kind of thing? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen any. Is that an old generation thing? I mean, I haven't seen any on PS4. I don't think they do. Um, but they do game of the year versions, which mm-hmm. is kind of the same thing. Yeah, I, this is definitely, there's got to be like a Game Awards sale or something going on. There is. Like, if you could catch this close enough to the Game Awards, I'm sure you could probably get this for a reasonably good price. And Digitally, I think yeah. that I think that no matter what you're paying, I think that this game is just going to be worth it. I think that you're going to get your money's worth out of this game, probably no matter how much you pay for it. Because, I mean, you're not going to overpay for this game, basically. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's gonna talk you into paying sixty dollars for a game that was new forty. So like, as long as you're not doing that, I think at any price point it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, and at the existing price point of a complete box of twenty six bucks, and you can pick this game up cheaper than that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's numerous places selling it for probably twenty bucks. And this would be a great game for like a buy two get one. Oh at yeah, GameStop sure. or something. This is the perfect kind of game for that because it's already gonna be. A little bit lower priced because it wasn't a full price game at launch anyways, uh, but it'll have amazing sticking value. Mm-hmm. And I would say like at its current price point, um, I would say honestly deflated. You know, I think, you know, if you picked this game up for 30 bucks new, it would still be a great experience. I think it'd still be a great deal overall for you. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm going to say deflated on this for this week. And but- given given that I paid $17 100% deflated. It's totally worth more than $17. Yeah, I'll go deflated on you. Yeah. That's actually, I think that's one of our first deflated on like a, a newish game. A newish game, game yeah. Yeah, because like normally you'd be like, yeah, it's just right or, um, you know, hold Well, because who wants to pay more? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I mean, if you found it for $30 new, it's totally Yeah, it totally wouldn't be bad. Around. So uh, that's some good stuff. Um, so I'll probably play this here in probably a few months once my wife and I finish Tomb Raider so hopefully I have a review down the road on like the overall game but uh, in terms of next week uh, I know we're gonna probably double up in some respects so we gotta you know figure out the games we're gonna play because the following week we'll be you know happy holiday stuff yeah holiday stuff with family and whatnot so probably not a chance to record in person Uh, so we'll have to we'll have to figure out our content but I think uh, you brought up a good idea, some Christmas-themed yeah, type we'll of talk. Yeah, we'll take care of some Christmas memories and, and games that are coming out this year. We'll talk about the holidays in gaming. Yeah, and then I don't know what our other topic is. Probably just in our standard episode. And Maybe we can even fight news. a winter-themed game. A winter-themed game? Yeah. We could play Game of Thrones. Because we already played like the Nightmare Before Christmas one. I don't know how many other actually explicit Christmas games you have. Cthulhu Saves Christmas. Okay. I don't have it oh, okay but we could probably we can make it happen maybe we can, we can maybe happen <laughs> make it happen if Cthulhu saves christmas we'll figure it out um I, I probably honestly do have some christmas theme games i probably have a grinch game to be honest oh there we go yeah we'll see i don't know we got didn't dig- we do a grinch game before i don't remember do we we played so many games now over the years like if you think about it yeah at 161 episodes we have played like over 160 games because we've had you know multiple multiple episodes yeah exactly so that's pretty crazy when we think about it 
So, all right, cool. God, man, we could have beat so many games in that time frame. No. Interesting. No, well, we couldn't have. <laughs> we're on the path to 200, but uh, thanks for listening to episode 161 of the Game Flavors podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. <laughs>